the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith. On today's show, Todd and Beth Guckenberger, founders of Back to Back Ministries. Everything inside of me wants to say something that would impress you. Like, we're going to be in a hundred countries with a million staff and a billion dollars. And But the truth of the matter is, I, we've learned leadership is not about having the craziest idea in the room or trying to see so far down the pike you stop listening to what the Lord's telling you about today. It's really about listening to the Lord and taking the next step. Well, hello, everyone. This is Ray Hilbert here at Bottom Line Faith, and uh, I am on the road in Mason, Ohio today. I am in the world headquarters at Back to Back Ministries in Mason, Ohio, and my guests today is Todd and Beth Guggenberger, and they are the founders of Back to Back. And folks, buckle up, because this is going to be one of the most incredible stories of leadership and faith and making a difference that you've heard. So let's get started. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good. Thanks for having us. And Beth, how are you this morning? I'm doing good this morning. Thanks. Okay, so who's going to tell the story of Back to Back? I'm sure you've only told this once or twice in the last 20-some years, but what exactly do you do here at Back to Back, and how'd you get started? Well, how we got started is, um, gosh, I wish I could say we had a great big strategic plan, but the truth of the matter is we had been exposed to orphans through Crusade, Campus Crusade for Christ, and it made an impression on us. So after we graduated from college and we were teachers and had the summers free. We took local high school students on mission trips to Mexico. And in the summer of 1996, we were painting this wall around a church in Mexico that we were partnering with from blue to green. And I'm pretty sure the year before we'd painted it from green to blue. (laughs) There was something between the two of us that just knew that there was more going on in that city than we were engaging in. And I was complaining about the paint project. And Todd finally looked over at me at one point and said, do you think there are any orphanages in this city? And I had no idea, but I was looking to get out of that paint project. So we we don't miss this detail. We left the students we had brought in the hands of very capable adults. And then we jumped into a taxi cab and we found an orphanage and arranged with them that the next day we would come and bring our students. And the next day when we came, Todd was fixing windows that were broken in the front of the orphanage with some kids. And I was serving what was the first meet that those kids had had in over a year. And one of the kids was coming up to the table a lot and Todd noticed and said, do you see her? And I said, oh my gosh, she's so cute. I can't keep my eyes off her. And then he said, well, pretty sure you took your eyes off her a few times because she's been in your line like five times and I don't really know a preschooler who can eat that much food. So I followed her the next time she came up and I saw from the door frame of her dorm room that she and her buddies were taking the food that they had taken off the table and they were hiding it under their mattresses, saving it for another day. And on that door frame, Todd and I had what we've since called our defining moment, and we decided we were going to do something about it. So you were college students? Just out of college. And you we, were, were, we were teachers. We were both teachers. Yeah. We really felt called to do missions, but weren't ready yet to move. And uh, we actually then came back and started saving one of our salaries completely. And we banked it. We had no, we had double income, no kids, so we saved one of our salaries completely. And then in 1997, we picked up and moved to Monterey, Mexico. So this really wasn't a plan. This was a response to God prompting your heart. Absolutely. Yeah, we, uh, we really wanted to learn the language and understand the culture of the hurt child and develop relationships, but that was about as far as our vision was taking us. And we thought maybe just a year, we could go there for a year and see what, what could happen. But it, 
probably within the first 90 days, we realized the trajectory of our whole life was going to change. So here you are fairly fresh out of college back in the day and you're on this trip and you have your defining moment that starts it talks about in Zechariah 4 do not despise the day of humble beginnings would you consider that to be a humble beginning for the ministry very much so and and really the posture we took because it was necessary was one of a student and I would say 20 years later we are still in the posture of a student and probably if you were to look under the hood of our leadership that would be one of the core components you'd see is that we are constantly learning. There's not never been a point where we're like, oh, we've got, you know, the orphan thing. That makes sense. We know how to do that. We are constantly learning how to do what it is that God's called us to do in more effective ways. And so you, you went from student, you were participant, and now you truly are leading an organization that I'm sure you never thought would get to where it is. Todd, would you take a moment and give us just the kind of the structure and the framework, the size and the scope of this ministry at Back to Back? It's amazing what's happened. Sure. So, you know, when we started, it was just Beth and I, and then we grew real quickly uh, to about a team of seven. Now we're all the way up to a team of about 250 staff. Uh, So globally, we serve in Mexico in three places. We serve in Nigeria, India, and Haiti, and we're looking to expand in the Dominican Republic. So throughout that, we've got a team probably about 65% nationals, so Mexicans, Indians, Nigerians, and the rest are expat missionary staff and our U.S. team here in the U.S. So in your wildest dreams, did you ever see this? No, no. And the best (laughs) part about that is, like, literally, you don't know exactly what's next. I often get asked, where do you see back-to-back in 10 years? And in case that was one of the questions you had for us today, this is my answer. (laughs) Everything inside of me wants to say something that would impress you. Like, we're going to be in 100 countries yeah. with a million staff and a billion dollars. And But the truth of the matter is, I, we've learned leadership is not about having the craziest idea in the room or trying to see so far down the pike you stop listening to what the Lord's telling you about today. It's really about listening to the Lord and taking the next step. Yeah, I was I actually was just had a conversation with somebody yesterday. I, I was saying that in orphan care, when we work with the orphans and vulnerable children, one of the challenges we have is it's not like you're flying a path flight and you have an absolute straight direction and all the decisions are clear and here's the clear path. It's like more like we're flying through an asteroid field and we're navigating. And I really think that navigation is the only way to really solve it is go, okay, God, what do you want? How do you, how do you want us to how do you want us to confront this? How do you want us to lead this? We don't have the answers, and we that's the way we tend to lead and learn. Walk us through those early days, some of the challenges, because you saw this huge need, but you didn't know how do we get the resources, how do we get the people. Just walk us back through what that felt like, because I'm sure that some of our listeners will identify with the early days. Yeah, I mean, part of growing a team around us was that first step, recognizing there are some things that God has gifted us in, and we need to figure out how to spend the majority of our day doing what God's gifted us in. And then we need to build a team around where God has also called them to use their giftings. And they don't necessarily work for us. They work alongside of us. They're our co-laborers and honoring the calling that God's had for them, but still making sure there's a structure so that things can be accomplished and measured and outcomes can happen. But but not feeling like people necessarily are there to fulfill your calling, but to recognize. Like I can remember at one point early on, um, Juan Porta, one of our earliest staff members said, I love Jesus a whole lot more than I love you. If I think and I take the time to understand what it is that he's asked me to do in this, I'm going to work all day, all night. All This will be what I think about all the time. If I'm actually just accomplishing your agenda, I'm going to do that, you know, 
to the extent to which I need to in order to receive a paycheck. And I thought, I want, I want A, I don't want B. I mm. want you to be thinking about this when you go to bed and wake up. I want you to be wanting to improve in every way. So how is it that we can co-labor together? That is a phenomenal statement. And that was said how long ago? And you remember it like it was yesterday. I remember it. I can remember the bench I was sitting on when he said that. And I thought, we need to be shepherds. We need to figure out how to help people hear God's call, fulfill God's call. Still within the, we, we still have an org chart and job descriptions yeah. and strategic plans and all kinds of things that make sure there's a map to it. But they don't work for us. They have to understand that that they work for the pleasure of Jesus. Yeah, and I mean, I say this all the time, that back-to-back is not only a ministry, it's an organization. So you have to have the organizational principles, but the ministry is what leads us, the mission, the yeah. passion, the people. And when people come on staff or want to come on staff with us, we say we say three things. You've got to be called to the orphan, called to the way back-to-back does it, because we have a specific method, kind of like playing baseball rather than basketball. you got to be called to the place. But all of that, and it really is about them and their walk with God and about them listening to what God wants them to do alongside what Back to Back is doing. I just love the way what you just shared, Beth, in that if someone's running a business, if someone is working in a business and has a boss, if they love Jesus, that's going to really compel them to perform at a level that demonstrates their love for Jesus. And it's not about the company, the organization. I mean, that, that's, that's a great statement. As you think back, would either one of you, or perhaps both of you, talk about maybe the biggest mistake that you've made as a leader over the last 20 years? Well, this might not be a mistake, but it was it was a really quick early life lesson. Yeah. Um, we had, Beth and I were working there. We'd, we'd served for about three years, and we had our first staff couple report. And they were missionary staff, and we kind of oriented them, trained them a little bit, and had a little six-month window where they, where they got acclimated to what we do and relationships and language, et cetera. We sat down with I sat down with with a gentleman who came on staff with us, and I said, "Okay, well, and we, here we're going to define what you're going to do, and here's what you're going to do." And he looked at me and said, "Well, I'll pray about it." And I said, "Well, I already prayed about it. this. Is what you're going to do?" <laughs> uh, but you know, and it, it really wasn't necessarily a bad thing that he was going to pray about it. But we were desperate for help. We were we were dying on the vine. We were doing we were hosting mission trip guests about 300 people a year at the yeah. time, and and so you know we were working our tails off and we needed help. And so it was just an early life lesson of what I call adding clarity to what we do and making sure you're a good communicator and communicating up front. And that was just a huge life lesson. So we we work really hard to give clarity to roles, clarity to what people are doing, and over communicate that because otherwise it, it tends to end up in a tense moment the the end of that story was six months of tension frustration from me going hey and Beth and I laying in bed one night talking which shouldn't talk about work in bed but we were talking she said hey they're gonna leave if we don't figure this out and so we really rallied around that and figured it out anything you'd add to that Beth yeah I mean for anyone who's gonna be doing any kind of work cross-culturally I think we were building a church in an impoverished community and the the deal we had made with the pastor is we'll buy the materials and you and your congregants will do the labor, the mm-hmm. actual construction. Mm-hmm. And that felt to us like a good handshake between what they had to offer and what we had to offer. Well, we'd been kind of puttering along in that process for almost a year. And the donor who was who had paid for the materials was going to come. They had about 20% left of the project. So I went to that pastor and said, you guys have done such a great job, but here's what I'm going to do. Let's pay for the last 20% of the labor so we can get it done on time. And, and, and then we can have a ribbon cutting when this, when this donor comes. And the pastor looked at me and said, you haven't been paying attention very much, have you? And I'm like, I've been definitely paying attention. What are you talking about? And he said, I've been undoing for the last probably two months 
when when folks, he's like, I'm an impoverished community. Men go out every day and look for work. When they don't have any place to work, they come to the job site at the church because they have dignity here. They can get dirty. They can use their skills. They can spend time with each other. They can go home at night and feel good about the fact that they work. They look like they've worked all day to their family, even though they weren't compensated. He said, I can get any one of these men to come to a Bible study or discipleship group, but they'll come and work on this job site all the time. He said, at the end of the night, I undo some of what they've done. So the next day, there's something first and the next guy to do. Oh. I'm spending time with these men all day. And he said, if you finish my second floor, I'm going to start building a third floor and we don't even need it yet because I'm just looking for a reason to have these men be drawn to our church. And I realized that I was valuing accomplishment and he was valuing relationship. And if I'm going to play in his field, I need to value what he values. And that meant I needed to value relationship over accomplishment. And that was a very good lesson for me to realize that um, I, I need to make sure that my eyesight isn't from my bias but from the from the perspective of the one that I'm trying to serve. It sounds to me, and I'm going to speculate here, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but part of, if I'm in your shoes, I'm thinking, hey, I'm also feeling like I want to serve my donor, and I want them to feel like their investment is paying off, right? That there's a completed project through their eyes. What happened there? Did you get a chance to share that story with the donor? And- oh, yes, I did. And, and, and it, it was an educational opportunity. And I said, you thought you were building a capital project, but you're actually investing in a discipleship program, which is a much higher value. And so it, it was an educational opportunity for me to pass on the lesson God had taught me to a donor. Yeah, that unexpected surprise there. I'd love it when the Lord just shows up and shows off like that. Uh, Beth, you have become quite an accomplished author, and many of these stories are told through your books. And uh, how many books now have you been blessed to to write? I just finished the eighth. So yeah, Start with Amen came out um, in May of 2017. So. And so, what? J- just give us just a, a glimpse of the passion. You know, kind of like what's behind these books. What, what are you trying to share? The message there. You know, I I think that a lot of times when you read about what God's doing around the world. Oftentimes, the focus is on what man isn't doing. Mm-hmm. It's like this area is, you know, devastated, or this area is oppressed, or this this. And I like to write about what God is doing, not about what man isn't doing. And so I just tell the stories of the different places where we've seen God move around the world, and the ways in which my front row seat to that has changed my life. So. When I very first started to write, it was more about what I thought the world needed to know, and now it's more about what God has taught me. Let's talk about why is the organizational side of this so important, and speak to our business leaders. Yeah, we want to be efficient. We want to be good stewards of resources. So we we don't not only want to steward money and and things but we want to steward people's time so when somebody comes on a trip we always say we're, we're kind of on this highway and you're on ramping and then off ramping so we're going to maximize and utilize every human resource that you bring you know you might be doing a work project or you might be interacting with a child which is actually a huge impact you know so that intentional we call play with purpose time has an impact and roi on, in a child's life especially from adults which is it's really really powerful but but that efficient systems that we we have i'm of course really big on systems and processes because it saves time it saves money you know if you don't build those then you become fairly inefficient and it doesn't work beth what would you add to that just that that very sentence that we feel every day like god gives us these tools and sometimes those tools are human people sometimes those tools are dollars but the best the better we use those the more he entrusts us with more and i feel like whether you're running a business or a ministry the way with which you honor respect and spend wisely those whatever he's put in your hand the more 
the more he entrusts to you. And so we just, we want to help as many kids as possible. So we do everything we can with everything we've given so that he will give us more. And one question we get a lot and, and Beth can add to it, but is, you know, well, wouldn't it be better just for me to send money? instead of my people mm -hmm. but but you have to look at as a long play I call those vision driven decisions you know you have to when you invest in your people so you bring a team of people you're investing in them to then come back and invest in others lives so it's a, it's exposure I just had I just went on a trip to the Dominican Republic with some business leaders and and they there was some of some of their first time experiences internationally and I said at the end of the trip you can't unsee this so whether you commit and do something with back to back here in the Dominican Republic or you go back to your own community, you can't unsee the need. So you've got to recognize, hey, you now's your chance to invest in other people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt um, over the course of 20 years, you know, we've had thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have visited, who have donated far more hours in their daylight, in their the other 51 weeks of their year than they ever spent on the mission field. But it's we want to see an experience like a mission trip be a springboard mm -hmm. towards further service in wherever they wherever it is that they live. It, it really is about stewardship. So whether in, like in your case, uh, leading a, a very substantially now substantially sized nonprofit Christian ministry or a small startup or a large company, whatever, leadership is about stewardship of the human capital, to your point, Beth, as well as those financial and other non-financial resources. That's really what leadership is all about, is stewardship. And so uh, I thank you guys for, for sharing those examples. Okay. So... I don't believe in regrets. However, I think there are in all of our lives things that we would do differently if given another chance. So if you could kind of hit the pause button and say, hey, if we had a chance to do this differently, what would you do differently along the way? Or You know, I heard a great quote, and I think it was um, Schultz, who, who was the, the operations guy for um, – of the hotel chain but uh but anyway he said he said culture is an outcome yeah and and i think if if we did something over we did a great job i think in the beginning with a small team yeah we had a culture it just it just was organic and the people that we recruited the people that came and served alongside of us there was a culture that was there i think if if i would have done something different it would be to make sure that we maintain that culture when as we grew and we've done a, a fairly decent job of that but but i think i think i would have been more intentional about investing in that because it and that culture has has significant impact. It's it's about the stewardship issues. Yeah. It's about it's about it's about sharing resources with other organizations. It's it's all those things that we highly value. But you can't. They're caught, not taught. You know. Yeah. You got to make sure that you man, you maintain that as you grow. Beth, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think in the very beginning, the orphan was so totally in the bullseye. It was to the exclusion of everything else. So other things were happening. God was using the heart that that we had for orphans. Um, to benefit donors, to benefit mission trip guests, to benefit local um, national pastors, to benefit our staff. But I think it took a while for me to see the and and not the or. I, when I realize mm. now that God loves the donor as much as he loves the orphan child, so I need to honor and value and come alongside of every person in the story. And uh, it took a while for, for my perspective and frankly maturity to grow to see that God is multifaceted. and. It's really our job to wake up every day, be obedient and available, and then he does all these other storylines that I was kind of blinded to for a season. <laughs> How would you say you both have grown over the years? I mean, from this little startup to this amazing organization, 250 staff, multiple continents. How have you two grown as leaders? 
Well, I mean, one of our cultural values back to back is is to be learners, and I think that's how we've grown. I I, I literally suck the life out of people when I when I find out what they do. There's a in Monterey where we served for 15 years. There was a front porch. It's a metaphor in some ways now, but you know, business leaders would come down, and I would suck them dry of, hey, how do you do this? Or how do you? So I think I think the growth and the learning together equals kind of how you okay we're willing to try something new hey you know we need as we grow we have to change things and and so that that to me and and then the, and the under undercurrent on that is the dependency on jesus I, I generally can say that i don't think i was capable to do anything at any stage of the organization without jesus mm-hmm. he, he made me capable and and still makes me capable and when when i'm not capable anymore he's going to say you're going to step down todd <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that um, you can't break God's economy no matter what it is that He's asked you to do. And the idea of generosity has been a, a big part of our growth. So in 2012, Todd and I were giving a little workshop at a, the International Orphan Summit. And our little work, we were probably $5 million at that point, about 100 employees. And we said, um, we did this little breakout that was called Taking Your Startup Nonprofit to a Mid-Size Organization. And we took some of the for-profit things that Todd had sucked out of people's lives, yeah. best practices. We put it through our faith filter and we were going to just share this. And we thought, we made 30 copies. We thought if 30 little startup nonprofits came and learned how we did strategic planning or board governance or HR policies. Like that would have been such a huge win for us at some point. We'd love to give that away. We opened the door and over 400 people came in mm. because we're all trying to figure out how to do what we do better. That's the whole nature of of, of wanting more of what God has for us. And so we were totally overwhelmed. We stood on that stage and said, anything we've ever created, ever, anybody can have for free. Just take our logo off it, put your logo on it. It might not be everything that you need, but it'll get you halfway there. That opened up in 2012 for us, this spirit of generosity that there was an anointing in the organization you can directly point back to that season. We've way more than doubled in size since then. And we have, as we've given away what we've learned, we've also, it's a two-way street. We've learned from those that we've shared mm-hmm. alongside mm-hmm. of. And I think that that has been a big part of our growth as leadership, that um, the more you give away, the more God gives back to you. Whether you're in a for-profit or a ministry venue, God, he, that's his economy. <laughs> I love that. I know it's a cliche, so to speak. I cannot give God, but he just has a way, doesn't he? When we open our hearts to his plan, he just shows up and shows off. So I want you to just for a moment um, think about what words of encouragement would you have for someone who's listening to the program and, and maybe they, they have some idea and they're full of doubt, they're, they're not sure they can do it, they're, they're just uncertain about it. Do, do you have any words of encouragement that you might be able to pass along because you all started from something real small to something real big now? I don't think you have to have every question answered before you step forward. I think that's part of the faith of it. So like even today, we have new initiatives, new opportunities. The temptation is to think I need to have, I need to be totally risk adverse. I need to have a contingency plan for every possible way this thing can go off the rails. I need to have an answer to any question a donor or a board member might have. But I think there's this tipping point in your heart and mind where you're like, I'm pretty sure this is it. And I still have some gray out there and the edges aren't totally defined, but I'm gonna take a step and watch some of it unfold in real time. And I think, I think for someone who has an idea out there, I would just encourage them to, to take steps towards it and not wait until it, they feel ready or qualified or prepared. Because I think Don and I stand in a long line of people in scripture who are underqualified, ill-prepared, immature. I mean, yeah. 
we really were just available and faithful and then God did the rest of it. And so 20 years later, we have more of that experience under our belt. But the truth is, if we're not still trying things that we're in over our head in, then we're in the wrong place. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with that 100%. Anything you'd add? That's pretty good. No, no that's, that, that sums it up. I mean, the unique thing for, for Beth and I, and, and we're, we're extremely fortunate, our gifts really complement each other. I am really the structure, the, the, the operations, the processes. Uh, you know, so she comes up with a big idea. I say no, no, no. Then we say yes, yes, yes. And then, and then, and then, we, flush it, and then we flush it out. Yes. <laughs> no, I always say Todd does all the work. I just talk about it. But, you know, we're a team. <laughs> yeah, so, so I think that's some, some element to make sure you get the right people on the team someone who you know if you got the vision and you're at the, get somebody who can who can add some of the layers of 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 the processes behind you yes. but don't overthink it i mean I, I think we we tend to overthink things think there's probably a few things that you can't not not have yeah. but but identify those and then go forward all right fantastic well you talked a while ago about probably shouldn't talk about ministry while we're trying to go to sleep right there are some unique dynamics right a lot of our listeners are in family-owned businesses there's complexities there how have you navigated those waters as a married couple we have a couple ground rules uh, like early on we had a two-story house and we used to say on the second floor of the house we couldn't talk about work so sometimes one of the one of the two of us would be at the top of the stairs like come up here you know like <laughs> this is the promised land leave it all behind um, so we have a couple ground rules about when we don't wear that hat, you know, yeah. and when we don't take the stress of home into our work day or the stress of work into our home life. But I think ultimately respecting each other's gifts and not feeling threatened by them. So very much Todd is the one that creates the structure and that people report to. And I don't try to enter I don't try to intersect myself into that. I want him to have those direct reports. I want him to hold them accountable. He'll do that ten times better than I will. It doesn't make sense for me to do our budget projections for next year. He wants me to go meet with a donor. He wants me to stand on a stage. That's that's where my giftings are. So he, we realize that that God did did give us complementary gifts, and that I don't I don't want to try to compete with him in any way. That is very practical. Thank you. That, thank you for sharing that. Okay. So uh, before we came on the air, I said there was one question uh, that I ask, and it's always the last question in Proverbs chapter four, verse twenty three. Solomon says that above all else, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. There are some biblical scholars who believe that these were among Solomon's last words. Imagine this guy who now he's at the end of his time and he's gathering his friends and his loved ones, and he says, Hey. I've given you all this wisdom. I've given you all this great stuff to live by. But now I want you to remember this. Above all else, guard your heart. And so, Todd, Beth, I want to ask that same question. Let's just imagine you're at the end of your time and you get a chance to gather your friends, gather your loved ones, and you're going to share your above all else advice. Above all else, what? Surrender to Jesus. I mean, surrender your agenda, your idea of what life is supposed to look like to, to Jesus. Because even if you have disappointment in life or you have or you feel doubt or discouragement, that sense of surrender to him always comes back um, sweeter than anything you could have pictured on your own. So if I was telling everyone that I loved the, the biggest key to the freedom that I experience in Christ, it would be surrender. Yeah, I think uh, for me, I would say, I have this little phrase I've been saying lately, but we're on the same side. 
and uh, you know, just giving a real practical example, you know, in our world, most of the people we work with are Christians, you know, so ministries. But that doesn't make us agree. <laughs> and but in the end of the day, we serve the same Jesus. And so, like, I had a pretty intense conversation with a coworker on Friday, and and we were at church, and I saw him in front, and his hands were raised raised up as he was worshiping, and I thought to myself. We're on the same side. You know, that's that's what I would say. You know, if, if anything, stay on the same side. And that same side is with the side of Jesus. And so when you're working with the other leaders who are Christians, Christ followers, there's no reason to disconnect to, to the nth degree. We're on the same side. That's what I would say. Incredible. Well, I, I just can't thank you both enough for your gracious time today. Um, any closing words or encouragement thoughts you, either one of you would, would want to share with our audience? I was just thinking the only thing we didn't really talk about was how and who to surround yourself with. Okay. And, you know, there were all kinds of days when we didn't want to do what we were doing anymore. Yeah. And we had purposely sewn into our life relationships that were truth speakers and encouragers that said, do it another day or come out and take a deep breath or... Um, what are you holding on to you need to let go of? You know, people that spoke into our lives and still do. So I would encourage whether you're a business owner or you're in ministry, make sure you have people around you that, that remind you of that which is most important, that ask you hard questions, that you have given the freedom to tell you no to, like that, that say the things that reinforce the values that you want to live by. Like make sure you have those relationships in your life because they are of tremendous value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to top that, I have these things I call six C's of leadership, and the last one is community. And my phrase is, without community, there's no accountability. Without accountability, there's no self-awareness. And you have to build people around you that help you become self-aware. Otherwise, we become idiots. One more time, how can our listeners learn about Back to Back? Folks, please check out this ministry. Business leaders, bring your teams. I promise it'll be one of the most amazing team-building experiences and heart transformation experiences. Beth, how can they get involved? How can they learn more? Yeah, we have a website, back in the number two, back.org, backtoback.org, and we're all over social media. You can hear stories and see pictures of the kids that we serve. Well, folks, I promised you on the front end here that this was going to bless your socks off, and I haven't been disappointed. I hope you've been encouraged and blessed, and that's what we're all about here at uh, Bottom Line Faith, is we want to really learn from some of of our nation's greatest Christian leaders, whether they be in business, in nonprofit, sports and entertainment. Check us out on the web at bottomlinefaith.org, and if you're a Christian in business and you want to learn how to be in community, just like what Beth talked about with other Christians in business, visit our website at truthatwork.org. Learn about our roundtable program. Till next time, God bless, and we'll see you soon.